Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to a live version of our weekly Impact podcast. As you can tell, we do this every week, and we have a lot of fun with it for what yeah. you just uh, heard. Um, I get a lot of work each week editing things out that we... Uh, there's a lot of hard names to say in the Bible, just so you know. But um, anyway, welcome to Weekly Impact Live. I am Brent Smith. I'm the host of the uh, the podcast, I guess, each week. Um, just wanted to say hello to everybody. Um, wanted to go around the table here real quick. I guess I'll start here to my right and then work that way. So tell everybody who you are. Hey, everybody. My name is Tony Cardinal. How you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm Pastor Phil. So glad to be here. How about that worship? Uh, Holy cow. It's all participative. And so um, I'm so excited for what God's doing in your life and your hearts. And this is just going to be great. My name is Jacob Kingsley. I'm the youth pastor here. I'm Daniel Yelverton. I'm the uh, discipleship pastor here. (laughs) And if you listen to the podcast, um, you know this. If you don't, this is a little bit of information for you, but each week we try to have a, a special guest if we can. One of you guys typically is who we try to get on here because there's such a depth of knowledge and there's such a wide span of characters within our body here. So we, if anybody ever wants to be on, come talk to us. We'll see if we can make it happen. But today, the special guest is all of you. So hello. Welcome, welcome. to the podcast, everybody. Can you applaud so the <laughs> listeners know you're there? Awesome. Um, and just to let you guys know, too, in case you haven't hooked up with the podcast yet, it's available. We put it out every Tuesday, um, and we that day uh, of the week where we're doing our chapter a day reading, we read that chapter that day each Tuesday. We go through it as a, as a group, and then we talk about it and um, kind of expand on everything. Uh, it's available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and if you get the ECC app, it's available through SoundCloud through the app as well. So we'd love for you guys to check it out. We have a lot of fun doing it, and we feel like it's a really good resource. It's a nice... Uh, companion piece to go with our chapter day movement that we've been doing here. So um, anyway, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, is there anything else that we wanted want to get to? No, just uh, download the phone app um, if you can, and you can connect with us that way, but we have other ways to do it. So. All right. Sounds good. All right. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> sounds like a hip hop song. Y'all ready for this? Okay. Sports jazz. <laughs> So as our first reader comes up, by the way, you are our guest, but we have four guest readers. Um, I want to encourage you something. If you brought your Bible with you, would you open it up to 2 Timothy? If you don't, uh, we do have some random ESV Bibles around. You can grab that. But the cool thing about technology is you can find a Bible app anywhere. May I plug our Elevation Community Church app because it has the YouVersion Bible app connected to it. Why I say this is we really want you to dive into the word and the practicals and the applications with us. This is not about us talking to you or preaching at you. This is all about you diving into this, letting God teach you, and then you begin to live it out. And you're going to see later on in chapter 3 why that is essential Mm -hmm. to being called a Christian. And so, um, yeah. Encourage you to read. We're going to go through every chapter of Second Timothy. We're going to take chunks of every chapter, and then we're going to talk about the main points. So, would you read with us? It will be on the screen as well. Matt Nation, good to have you, buddy. Hi. Good morning. Awesome. Hey, you want to go ahead and kick us off? Yeah, certainly. So, we're going to be reading Second Timothy one today, and I will be going through verses six through fourteen. <clears throat> For this reason. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know who I'm, who, whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Brother P and Hermogenes. (laughs) May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Edit. Edit. Sorry, go ahead. Brother O, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for bearing those names there. Um, You know a good pastor when they just pass off those names to someone else. But um, Matt, uh, before uh, you can step on down, we just, uh, since you read that and you've been reading that the last couple days, Mm -hmm. is there anything that kind of just stands out to you or just kind of hits you between the eyes or or, uh, anything that God kind of used as text uh, to teach you? Yeah, so in praying and kind of asking the Lord, you know, what's the practical application, um, I, I'm reminded of, have you ever been, like, out shopping, you know, you're at Kroger, and you're kind of kind of gathering everything up, and you see somebody across the aisle, and you recognize them from church, brother or sister in the Lord, and you kind of wave them over, and you're like, hey, what's going on, and you kind of introduce them to your family, and you kind of say hi, or maybe you're out at a restaurant even, and you're just saying, hey, come over, let me introduce you to whoever you're with. The application for me here is that, I was never ashamed of who that person was when I wanted to introduce them to my family or to my friends, whoever I was with. Come on. So I think about the next time I'm in a conversation, whether it be at work or with friends, whoever, and Christianity comes up or Jesus comes up. Maybe even they're cursing, GD and swearing all over the place. I'm not going to be timid because I'm going to be proud that I have a relationship with the Lord who's just as close as a brother or sister. And to me, that's the application of not being ashamed. And I'm going to try and do that more and more and more. It's hard because it's hard. But (laughs) I think that if I can relate it in such a way where it's more real, that that's that brother or sister that I love in the Lord from our church, and I'm just as happy and proud to introduce them to people. Why not do that with the Lord? Wow. And you're in a 222 group, right? Yes. So will you, next time you guys meet, will you present that as an accountability question? Because mm-hmm. that's, that's why 222s exist, is to hold us accountable and encourage us to continue in the ways of the Lord. That's a perfect example. How are you guys doing in uh, presenting and introducing your father to other people? Right. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. if we all did that, can you imagine what a change that would be? Yeah. Wow. wow. Can we thank Matt? Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Thanks Matt. guys. Matt. Wow. Uh, Pastor Jacob, would you mind just kind of um, just start us off here as we, as we read in chapter one of a little bit of the background history so we can just properly understand what it is that Paul's teaching? Yeah, absolutely. 
So I love the background of all the different books of the Bible because it gives that um, story behind it. It puts something for you to understand it in. And so 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to this guy named Timothy. It's the second letter that he wrote to Timothy, so it's kind of cool how it works out like that. Um, But he's writing as Timothy is now a pastor, and he's in this city called Ephesus. And he's having some some hardships, and Paul and Timothy's relationship is incredible. Um, If you read through this book, you see all the time that Paul refers to Timothy as his son. He has this incredible relationship. They are so close because they spent so much time um, preaching the word and growing together. And it's interesting context, um, just in terms of what's going on in that day and age, that as Paul is writing this, he is in prison, and he's about to be killed. Um, People think it's around 67 um, AD, and in 64 AD is when Nero sets Rome on fire and blames the Christians for it. And so the Christians are getting a lot of flack. And so we are going to talk about false teaching, because Paul talks to Timothy a lot. And it makes sense that as Christians are being persecuted um, because of Nero, that they want to adapt what they believe to a less offensive thing that won't have as much flack caught their way. And they want to blend into the culture while still appearing to be Christians. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know about you, but I see that happening today, too. So I think that that's a kind of cool context as we're talking about the rest of this. That's really cool. And a little sidebar, we're going to transition to the next chapter in a minute, but a little sidebar, uh, if you have Twitter, uh, go ahead, did I say that right? You, you Woo-hoo! did, yes. Uh, they make fun of me one. because Twitter. I say, if you have tweet, would you Twitter? Uh, <laughs> so anyways, um, we can edit that out. Um, <laughs> if you have Twitter, go ahead and log into the ECC, what, what is it, hashtag? Uh, our Twitter, you just go on, on Twitter and you can search at ECCBland. And we would love for you to comment um, and just kind of uh, maybe you can even help us teach uh, this afternoon so, or this morning. I'll keep an eye on it, so just know I'm not trying to text everybody and yeah. be disrespectful <laughs> when I'm up here. Um, so as Rebecca Cunningham comes up to join us to read the next chapter, I want to direct your attention to three major points. You can write them down, you can text them, you can put them in your phone, whatever, but it's going to be on the screen pretty much the whole time we're teaching There are three major points that are woven into all of 2 Timothy. This is basically, if you took three words to kind of sum up uh, this letter uh, to Timothy and the believers in Ephesus, um, it is basically saying, look, you need to understand your identity in Christ. Number one. Number two, you need to understand the calling. Now that you're a follower of Christ, there is a standard. There is a calling. You have a job to do. An earthly and spiritual and heavenly job because we're not living for heaven. We're living from heaven. It's our identity and our calling. And thirdly um, is our responsibility. We as followers of Christ, all of us have a responsibility to carry out the gospel in word and in deed. And you're going to see these three points in everything else that we read. So as we read chapter 2... Verses 1 through 7, 11 through 16, and 22 through 23. Try to find those points. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. You want to read for us chapter, uh, chapter 2? Here we go. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of as a good soldier 
of Christ Jesus, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. 11 through 16. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, then we will also live with him. If we endure, then we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of those things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which do no good, but only ruin the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one uh, provided a worker with no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid a revelant babble, for it may lead people into more and more ungodliness. Mm -hmm. 22 through 25. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolishness, arrogant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently endure evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, just kind of what uh, we just same question we asked uh, Matt. Uh, as you were reading this and as you were pouring through this, what is something that stuck out to you? Well, I came up with some bullet points that stuck out specifically to me. First, I thought of Phil's example from a couple weeks ago about the basketball. Mm -hmm. Keep your eyes on the Lord and keep your hands about his work. Mm -hmm. And then that way you won't be distracted with the worldly issues that don't hold importance. Mm -hmm. Um, The Lord remains faithful and keeps his promises to us regardless of our behavior and our attitudes. Um, Do not quarrel and worry about things that aren't important, but always use scripture as our litmus test as to what is or isn't important and Mm -hmm. what we should be concerned about. Together, pursue all things with faith, love, and peace, and the idea of unity and being together as one body. Um, It made me think of Proverbs. I love the verse um, that talks about better a friend close to home than a brother far away which for me gave me permission to love my fellow Christians as family. You know, that our family may not be in our spiritual walk with us, but we still have each other in this church and in the greater body, and that has always really been important to me. Um, Support and take care of each other as family. Um, And with the knowledge of Scripture, be kind and gentle to defeat Satan by helping others escape from his evil. And it, it was sort of the wide have the passion but be gentle and for some people you might believe it in your heart but you really need to be enthusiastic about it and present it and then if you're like me on the other end of the spectrum I have so much passion that I can like it doesn't just ooze out it like it explodes like a volcano on people (laughs) and it doesn't work (laughs) so I'm always praying for gentleness and working on having a gentle kind spirit as I present so that's 
Um, and then I have a background in science, so I always want to, you know, just very simple, and these are the directions, so this is what I came up with for that. Love, teach, defeat Satan, unite as a family, raise up and teach others to then go out and spread the gospel, mm-hmm. and then repeat. That's awesome. So, yeah. Great. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you so much. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think you really just nailed it, Rebecca, just about um, our calling. Uh, One of the things that Phil's talked about uh, is our identity, our calling, and our responsibility. I think that we see a lot of our calling when we're reading some of these application points. And, uh, And you're absolutely right. It's uh, we are connected. There is a connectivity between the body of Christ and that there is a calling on us to not only uh, to stay connected, but to have an interest and have a vested interest in the other in the people around us, especially our, our believers. I mean, we get our two, two, two groups from Second Timothy two, two, which talks about take what and trust what. Take what God has entrusted you and pass it and teach it to others who will pass it on to others. And so there's this kind of uh, trickle-down effect when it comes to uh, the relationships that you have with people. Uh, are you intentional with those relationships? Are you, are you leveraging those relationships with an opportunity to show the love of Jesus uh, to them? And, uh, and I love the, the different roles uh, that Paul kind of shares here. And um, these can have very, uh, like the, the soldier, the athlete, uh, the farmer, um, we can kind of like really narrow in on their roles and kind of like pull something out of it. But I think really what Paul is saying here is he's, he's using examples of people that know what their job is and they're doing it. They know a soldier knows what they're supposed to do. A soldier knows who he trusts. A soldier doesn't get distracted with all of the other things that's going on around him. And and in our age, distractions are everywhere. They're everywhere. And so it's so easy to just kind of just veer off. Uh, And and then even the athlete, we're watching the Olympics just started. It's, it's, you, I, in my own, in my mind's eye, sometimes I think I could totally do these things. You know, like <laughs> these people, they're pretty good athletes, but I feel like I could do this. And then I'm thinking, the luge. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Just Space jump on a set, dude. I mean, That's yeah. all you need to do. All I got to do is try to kill myself, and I'm great. So, but I mean, I know, sorry. Anyway, so, but they are training constantly. They're pouring into this. They have a laser focus on what they're supposed to do, and. They run in a way to achieve the prize. And so uh, with our calling, our calling is to community. Uh, It's so important, our relationships with people, how we treat others, uh, what we emphasize when we treat others. Uh, And we're going to get to some uh, of this stuff later. But And I love that in the middle of all of this, though, Mm There's grace because there can be so much condemnation when we know that we're not doing maybe what we should when it comes to relationships and how we relate to people and being connected in community. If we are failing, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. That's right. He will not deny who he is, his love for you, his passion for you. We just sang about his pursuit for you. Mm-hmm. It, is, is, it is reckless. It is never-ending. And so if you're not quite there yet, maybe with community or with the people that you uh, or with your family or with the ones that you love, that's okay. He is walking with you in grace. Just hone your focus on what our calling is, what Mm -hmm. our role is as believers. Yeah, I think that's that's a cornerstone verse there from 11 
to 13. And I love, because sometimes Paul gets a little sarcastic with his um, audience, and he says, this thing is trustworthy. So he lets them know, you know, this is, this is it. And he, he clues us into our identity in Christ. And everything listed in there is not contingent upon us. It doesn't have anything to do with us at all. It's all about God and what he has done, that um, if we have died with him, we will also live with him that is contingent on Jesus. Even if we keep messing up, like Daniel was saying, even if we don't do the right thing, he remains faithful. Um, And that is just one of my favorite verses, and as we'll get into a little bit later um, in 2 Timothy, but if, if he is always faithful, even if we are faithless, why do we have to put on this front as if we have remained faithful by ourselves. that when we are weak jesus is made known as strong that he is our strength and so we so often try and take the glory and pretend like we have been faithful even though we know we have been faithless i'm faithless so often but god has always remained faithful and so from that we can live in the way that paul is instructing timothy and the rest of the church to live out that's awesome. Well, Jim, if you want to come up, we're, we're going to jump into uh, chapter 3 here, and uh, he's going to read a couple verses from there. But I want you to continue to, to mull through these themes and also just uh, know that Paul's writing this with earnesty to someone that he loves, and he wants him so much to accomplish his plan and purpose in his life. And so that same calling is for you all. Thank you. Okay. I'll be reading from Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 and 12 through 17 starts off, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, slowly swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. Mm-hmm. And he continues, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Yeah, Thank you, Jim, for reading that for us. Um, is there anything that stood out to you in that? Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> That's kind of a deep one. Huh? I'll, I'll try to uh, I'll try to keep it keep it brief. This happens to be one of my favorite passages, and it starts off and it's dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a strong warning. Uh, he says, "In the last days, there will be difficult times." And the word "difficult" that he uses means not just difficult, but harsh and fierce and savage. Mm-hmm bad times. And then he lists this laundry list of these terrible, evil things. And when we read it, we think, well, we're in the last days because that's the world we live in. But you have to understand when Paul wrote this, 
the last days is referring not to 24-hour days as we know them, but to epochs. And so it's the time from the start of a church to the time Christ returns. So it was applicable then as it is now. And you think, wow, that's the world. But see, Paul's not writing this to the world. He's writing it to the church about the church. You know, he's not saying what's on the outside is what's going to get us. He's saying it's what's on the inside is going to get us. And not just what's in the church, but what's inside us. And he says all this, and then he says, if we are in Christ, this is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But the message is that we have to focus on ourselves because regardless of what we do, the evildoer is still going to be doing his thing and going from bad to worse. And the imposters. And the imposters are those in the church that profess to be Christians but aren't. But he offers a solution. And this is the solution right here. He tells Timothy, he says, he says, stay in the word. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God. And breathed is, is created, it's inspired. So it's the same breath that created the world created this. The same breath that created us created this. And the same breath that breathed out the last breath on the cross for us breathed this. And the one last thing, he says, firmly believe. And if you think about firm belief, that is faith. Firm belief is having the faith that all of this is for good. It's not to be picked in part and used in pieces. You're either all in this or you're all out of it. And faith is what he talks about. You know, without faith, this is just a book. It's our faith that brings this to life. It's faith that puts power in the pages. And it's our faith that makes this what it truly is. From the first words in the beginning to the last words, those in Jesus Christ, amen. And what that truly is, is a love letter from a good, good dad. Okay, Jim, just so you know, you stay there, okay? We're going to all leave, (laughs) and we're going to let you finish, okay? (laughs) Can we give it up for Jim? Wow. Yeah, that's great stuff. <laughs> and, you know, this is a tough one, too. This is, you know, it talks about people having the appearance of godliness, but, but not, you know, respecting his power and recognizing it. And um, I know that personally, um, you know, I haven't been a believer forever. Uh, I grew up in church, um, going with my grandparents to a little church in Milford. Um, but when I grew up, I got out of it. Uh, one, I just got old enough. I thought I was too cool for church, and, you know, it wasn't speaking to me anymore. But, um you know, still went, still considered myself a believer. And the last time that I went for a long time was for my nephews. They're twins. Uh, they went to be christened. And we went to the christening, and it was a beautiful moment. And then the service that followed, the entire service about give us, it said, give us your money, and miracles will happen for you. 
And that was it. I was done. I was absolutely done. So, um, you know, there's just so many things that, um, that are happening within churches that are, that are pushing and turning people away. Um, you know, I grew up with, with certain people going to church telling me that if you said a cuss word, you were going to hell. You know, if you, if you smoked a cigarette, you were going to hell. Um, how are we supposed to love people if we're turning them away before they even get here? So, um, yeah, I just wanted to address that a little bit and share a little bit of my journey that ties into that with hypocrisy coming from the church at times. This is a hot issue that has been a hot issue ever since Paul wrote this letter. Even to 2018 in our church, in our American church society, and throughout the world. And I want to speak to you now as one of the pastors, one of your shepherds, one of your brothers, and one of your friends. I want to address a major cancer within the church, the Christian church, and the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A cancer. And that is called hypocrisy. And this is not being mentioned to condemn any one of us. Like Pastor Daniel said, there's a lot of grace. But even with the grace should always come, you know, his kindness leads us to repentance. It's not his condemnation and his judgment and his wrath. It is his kindness. And so keep that as your lens as we talk about this. But this is an issue that needs to be changed in the life of those who call themselves a Christ follower. You can see hypocrite, the definition up there. Read those two. It's person on the, the appearance is a falsehood compared to what they proclaim they believe. And we've got hypocrisy all over the place. If you're a Christian, uh, you've seen it, and even you probably have seen it when you look in the mirror in the morning. Okay? We all have it. So we need to understand in this topic of hypocrisy, two things. Number one, we are all hypocrites. Every one of you, if you want to find a perfect church, don't, because if you find one, don't join it, (laughs) because you'll mess it up. (laughs) We're all sinners saved by grace. We need to understand our identity is in Christ, but we also have these human bodies called the flesh that are sinful and drawn to sinful things. It's not an excuse. It's just a reason for why we have this battle. And so we need to have grace for ourselves and grace for others, understanding that we're not perfect. We may have Christ, the Holy Spirit, living with us to empower us, but we still have this fleshly body that will constantly be at war with us until we leave this earthly body and we're in the fullness of Christ and we see Christ face to face and we take on our heavenly body. So we need to understand that and give a lot of grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Um, This is, again, this has been an issue that has been a hindrance to the gospel from day one when the church began and began to explode. Um, You know, this is a huge topic, and many of you have heard this from your friends, unbelieving friends or people who have kind of stepped away from the faith. They said, you know what, I don't want to go to your church, or I want nothing to do with Christianity because all I see is Christians that just act like the world, and I want no part of it. I can't say that I blame them, do you? And so this is a huge deal. 
And so there is grace understanding our identity in Christ, but also the war within us because of sin and because of our flesh. But number two, we cannot, we cannot excuse that and we cannot accept or approve of any person calling their Savior Christ to just live on in hypocritical ways. We can't. We, eternity is at stake. And people are watching all over the place. And so with this, we need to understand that before addressing hypocritical ways in another church, in another preacher, evangelist, or in another person that you know, you need to remember to check the log in your eye first. Because we all are prone to hypocritical ways. Make sure that we are walking in purity, walking in love and kindness. And then in love, we can address a Christian who may not be acting as Christ and pushing people away. Okay? So here's the deal. We are called to live as Christ and to live lives that look differently from those who are unbelievers in the world. We are. And so I just even ask you this question, are you looking different than your unbeliever friends around you? If you're not, that probably means you don't fully understand your identity, you haven't learned your responsibility as a follower of Christ, and you haven't locked in step with your calling. And so I just want to bring this to our front door, all of us here, those listening. I really want you to hone into what I'm saying here Because this is huge. Listen to me if you are calling yourself a believer of Jesus Christ. And I want you to ask this question. What people are possibly not coming to Elevation Community Church or want nothing to do with Christ or Christianity because they see how you or I live during the week. They see how you manage relationships. They see how we act and treat others when we think no one's watching, maybe driving on the road or, or at the store in line or maybe even at your kids' sports games. It matters. It matters. People are watching to see Jesus in you. If we say we're going to display Jesus, but yet we harbor bitterness and unforgiveness and gossip, what does that say to people who are looking on to see Jesus? And I believe this very much to my core. It grieves God's heart when we, as believers of Christ, proclaim to live live for Jesus here on Sunday morning, And then we leave Jesus here in the building when we exit the doors. That's called hypocrisy. And there is grace and love. And Jesus wants to cover all of that because he already did. But when you come into Christ and your identity and your calling, your calling is to be above reproach. And your responsibility is to love God above all and love others as Jesus loves That's a good word, Pastor. (laughs) What I love is is Paul points us towards a tool to use towards that. He says in 16 and 17 that Scripture itself, the Bible, God's Word, 
is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God or woman may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's good. Yeah. Nice. Do you guys have anything else? Mm-hmm. Uh, just you, you made a three. Great, I know. Sorry. No, um, you made a really <laughs> great point about the verse five, where it talks about having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, right. and um, wow. that verse wrecks me when I when I think about it uh, because. Uh, I think the the appearance of godliness can be something that we can put a facade on. We can be really good at image management uh, when it comes to just people in general. We get a lot of practice on Facebook, but <laughs> sorry, zing. <clears throat> Stuck in my throat. <clears throat> but uh, but the, the denying its power part is really powerful to me because when I think of the power of God, I think of uh, Romans one sixteen where it talks about the power of God is the gospel. And just like Phil, Pastor Phil was talking about with hypocrisy, uh, looking at our own selves, are we allowing the power of the gospel to really come alive in our own life? I'm sure we can point out where we maybe don't see it coming in others, but are we allowing the changing power that you are a new creation in Christ, that God has forgiven your sins past, present, and future, that you have a new identity, that you are worthy to be called a son of the Most High, a daughter of the Most High? Are we allowing that power to reign in our minds and in our hearts. Because if we're not, we're denying it. And instead, we're, we're, we're coming up with good ideas about how to become a Christian or how to, how to um, behavior modification or do different things to hopefully appear like we're godly. But the power of the gospel is the fact that Jesus did everything in our place. That Jesus gave us everything so that we could have his righteousness, his godliness, his character, his past, present, and future. There was an exchange at the cross. And we need to understand that there is power in knowing and wrapping our identity and then living our life and our relationships through that. Because we can have the appearance of godliness, but we can absolutely deny its power in the process. <laughs> Up next to read, we have Jaden Mays, one of our youth here. Super excited. So, Jaden, would you go ahead and read your passage, please? Yeah, I'll be reading from Second Timothy, verse, or chapter four, and it's: "I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season." Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangel... Fulfill your ministry. Thank you. So, out of that passage, as you've been reading it, what what impacted you? Um. So, I know it sounds cheesy, but everybody's always saying like, "Oh, we're living in the end times." But like, the more and more you read, like, even what Jim was reading, like, all around you see people are disobeying their parents. People are being hypocrites. They're not living the way that was planned to be. 
And just like going over that more and more and more, I just look around and think like, this is not good. This isn't what God planned. So, sorry, I'm a rereader and I go over this passage several times and not very often. I have, I like understand it the first time and the first time it just like popped at me. And sorry, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just rambling. So you read down, and I remember when Pastor Daniel was talking about the Grey's Anatomy episode, and not going to lie, I watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. Um, so I was watching that, and in my mind, I'm just thinking that all these people that are watching, if they're not Christians, they're, be t- they're not being taught the truth. They're, ta- they're talking about all these lies and myths, and that's what... Paul is talking about, about mm-hmm. how people are just listening to these myths about themselves or their own teachings. Like in high school and middle school, we're taught about evolution and not creation. And that's not even a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Jaden. Preach it. Thanks. Thank you, Jade. Wow. Mm-hmm. So the thing that gets me about this passage is, is Paul is moving into our responsibility as the church. He says that there is a mandate and he says in the presence of God in Christ Jesus that we are accountable for spreading that power we're accountable for spreading the gospel that is our responsibility but that can only happen it comes on the heels of chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 it's being grounded in scripture understanding what God's word has already said to us we don't have to make something up we don't have to try and find out in the world what our responsibility is and we'll never be able to complete that if we are not firm in our identity that christ has done it all for us already that everything that we need is given to us because of what jesus has already done and then not firm in our calling and what the tools that god has already given us those are the keys to our responsibility and we shouldn't be surprised when people in the church when people in the world don't want to hear the gospel when they want to hear something else that makes their life easier But that is human nature to take the easy road out. And so while we are preaching that, we also need to be aware of it in ourselves. Are there areas in our lives where we listen to somebody else who gives us an easy way out? And we say, you know what, that sounds pretty good and all right. So I'm going to take that instead of truly being good with Jesus, with living in that relationship with him. And so I love our responsibility here is to preach the gospel. To live as Jesus has lived. That is awesome. That's good. Any last uh, encouragement? Last words? I, I just the itching ears thing is a very common term that I think we've heard. Maybe even growing up in church, and um, I think we can get angry at the person that's sending the message, but really it's on us as the hearer to filter what we're listening to and what we're believing is truth. Um, and so I think, as you said, Jacob, we have to be mindful. We have to be careful. Uh, about what's the influence? What's the what's the thing that we're grounding our truth on? What are we building our life on? And uh, the the scriptures are absolutely for that. They give us the perspective that they give us the ground, the foundation for truth that uh, that the world is not going to give us. That culture is not going to give us. That's fantastic. Can we just uh, give it up for the scripture readers and and everybody? Do me a favor and everyone stand. The band's going to come on up. And um, 
if we could uh, not look at our watches or phones and just kind of close your eyes for a minute so we can just pause. Our culture does not pause well. And I just want you to think of one thing, one thing through the teaching, through the reading, one thing that is just ever before you that is in your mind. If there's nothing, just ask the Lord to just bring a thought or scripture to your mind. Just hold on to that. Is it your identity? Do you just need to continue to remind yourself and even preach the gospel to yourself that you are loved? And while you were yet in your sin, Jesus died for you. Your identity can be settled today by coming and acknowledging Jesus as Lord. And just asking Him to come and live inside of you and forgive you of all of your sins and to have a relationship with you that can be given to you just like that. It's a free gift. It's called grace. But that free gift also comes with a calling to deny ourselves, to lay ourselves down and pick up the cross. You know what the cross is that we're supposed to pick up? Love. His love. His humility, His service. That's how people identify we're in Christ. How are you living out your calling, church? How are you living out your calling, friends? And lastly, our responsibility to be Jesus to others. That responsibility cannot happen unless we are remaining and abiding in a relationship with Jesus. We can't be Jesus to others if we can't have Jesus within us. And so we're just going to sing this worship song as a response and a declaration. And then we'll be able to go and love others as we go. So this is a new song today. Don't freak out. It's real easy. But sometimes we just need to worship. And sometimes it takes a simple song to clear out the thought to clear out all the junk that gets in the way of our connection with the Holy Spirit. And I just really felt led recently to talk to you guys about what worship really is. I mean, it's so deep, I can't get into it all right now. It's something that I didn't even know myself um, until the last year or two since I took this job. But God built us to worship Him. That is the purest feeling when I truly connect with Him. Purest feeling I've ever felt in my life. And that's all He wants is for us to just let everything go and give it all up and truly connect with Him when we worship. Let go of all of your doubt. Let go of all of your self-consciousness. Don't worry about what other people around you are thinking. Worry about what God's thinking. And connect with Him. So sing this with me. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. 
This is how I fight my battles. You fighting any battles right now? You want to give it up to him this morning and let go of them?